Now, in studio, your lending expert, family man, and servant leader, who's committed to honoring and empowering San Diego's servant leaders to rise up. Your host of Rise Up Radio, James Carmody. Welcome back to Rise Up Radio. I am not James Carmody. I'm filling in for James this week. My name is Derek Abbey. I'm your guest host of Rise Up Radio on this lovely weekend. And I'm always happy to be on the show and talk to amazing people. Thank you for having me back, Jennifer. How are you? Definitely. I'm doing great, Derek. Thank you again so much for guest hosting our show. We're always so honored when you're at the helm. And it's always so much fun to collaborate with you in the community and have you as part a special person within the Rise Up community. And uh, today is episode number 127. Kind of crazy. Wow. Time's that flying. Is. Things are flying. Uh, we just we want to thank our audience and our guests um, for all your love and support. We couldn't do it without you. And thank you for all the servant leaders that are rising up and really making a tangible and positive impact within our community. So we just want to honor each and every one of you. Um, Derek, what's going on in your community, though? Oh, I know that there are some changes, especially this week. What's going on? Yeah, well, there's been a lot of things that have happened since uh, since I've been down here last. I took a trip to the Solomon Islands. Okay, for um, what? Well, it was with uh, the Ben Prop Project, Project Recover. So we were um, documenting a site in the Solomon Islands associated with some Americans missing in action from World War II. Uh, amazing site. I, I've never been to the Solomons before. I passed through Guadalcanal, which is amazing history with uh, the Marine Corps. So it was amazing to be there. And then we got on a boat and lived on a boat for uh, some times completely off the grid, no phones, no um, mm. internet. Uh, so it was nice. Uh, just not even a lot of people around, just some, some peaceful times documenting uh, and looking for identifying these sites associated with MIAs. And then uh, actually a couple weekends ago, I climbed Mount Whitney for the first time with my wife, which is the highest. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, highest point in the lower 48, so 14,508 feet. So we hiked to the top of that. And uh, and then I took a little leap at the top just so I could say I was even a little bit higher than that. <laughs> yeah. um, and then the, the most exciting news, though, is uh, in the last week, I just took over the military veterans program at uh, San Diego State University. So I am now the interim director of the Joan and Art Barron Veterans Center at San Diego State University. And for those that might not know, San Diego State has been serving uh, military students and the military population since World War II. There's over 4,000 um, military-connected students on that campus. And they have the, they have done amazing things uh, over the years, over the decades. And I am now trusted uh, with the future of that program. Uh, I'll be the interim director for less than six months. And at that point, if, you know, hopefully I, I, I do well enough, they'll keep me around and uh, I'll be the director and, and take this uh, program to the future. But it's, I'm humbled. Uh, it's an enormous responsibility to be, to be trusted with this program. And I don't take it lightly, but I'm super, super excited uh, to be part of such an amazing, amazing program. And so that's, that's the new stuff in my life. And, you know, hopefully we can come back and kind of just have a whole show talking about. Uh, I think that we're going to. <laughs> yeah. Well, amazing work that's at SDSU. SDSU. Well, first of all, um, congratulations Thank on you. the um, new role and everything. We know that you're going to serve that community incredibly well. And we're really excited to see what's ahead for SDSU and then the greater community. So thanks for all the work that you do. And thanks for making a positive impact within our region and well beyond. 
Thank you. And it's always a pleasure to be here because we get to talk to amazing people doing amazing things in, in the community. So enough about what I'm doing, we're doing. Let's talk about our amazing guests. So we have three guests today, uh, Carl Allen and Susan from CVAC Systems. And so please introduce yourselves and tell us tell us what CVAC Systems is. CVAC Systems stands for Cyclic Variations in Adaptive Conditioning, and it is a system that, that uses uh, various uh, patterns of air pressure, okay. temperature, and the density of air to uh, create uh, physical manifestations in your body. It's like exercise. In fact, uh, the CVAC uh, system uh, is a new paradigm in uh, exercise. You're going to have to think about exercise differently when you view this. But I'm Carl Linton. I'm the inventor, and uh, been doing this for over thirty years, and I'm just getting started. Well, welcome, Carl. Um, you threw out some information there that we are definitely going to delve into. Yeah. Um, what does that mean? What does that look like? It, it's it sounds fascinating from the from the get go. We're definitely going to delve into that. But let, who who did you bring with you here? Well, I have Alan Raskowski as my CEO and president, and Susan Cooper is our director of education, and. Uh, Pretty much does all our customer support and uh, uh, technical support. Okay. Uh, she's been around for quite a while. I'll let them talk for themselves, though. All right. Um, welcome, all of you. It's wonderful to have you. We're definitely going to go around the table here. Um, I, I want to know. So, new exercise. Right. Uh, what does this look like? Well, how, how, it, how does it work? Yeah, the, uh, this is Alan. And I think that it's generally well accepted that physical exercise can prevent uh, age-related diseases like diabetes and heart disease and Alzheimer's disease. There's even evidence now that uh, physical exercise can uh, prevent cancer, especially breast cancer. So what we've been doing is Carl uh, discovered and invented this process 30 years ago. And then uh, uh, Susan, who uh, is a world champion uh, cyclist, uh, discovered this technology about 22 years ago. Yep. It had a phenomenal improvement in her athletic performance. She became the national champion and the world champion. Uh, I myself was on the team that started General Electric's MRI business. I was a GE for 11 years. Then I went to Silicon Valley and had three startup successes. One was a successful IPO. The other two companies were purchased by General Electric. So I, I made some money at that time. So I began looking for technology, and I found... Uh, uh, Carl Linton in a bicycle shop in San Diego giving manual CVAC sessions to world champion athletes like Susan and other uh, champion athletes. That was 15 years ago, and what we have done is we have researched what it is about exercise that can prevent these age-related diseases. And based on the blinded placebo-controlled studies conducted uh, by the researchers at Stanford University, uh, this looks like this is even more effective than exercise. So there are a lot of people that understand exercise is beneficial, but really why? Why, why, why is that? Well, uh, you can boil it down to two primary mechanisms. One is lymphatic stimulation, and that includes uh, the flow of cerebral spinal fluid through the brain, which is called glymphatic stim uh, stimulation. The other uh, mechanism is mitochondrial biogenesis. Now, mitochondria are symbiotic organisms. They're like bacteria. They have their own DNA. They are in every multi-celled organism on this planet. 
they take oxygen and sugar, glucose, and they make energy out of it. And what we believe is happening is in that process of making energy, uh, converting energy from chemical energy to physical uh, availability of ATP, they're also making waste products. And if people don't get enough exercise, enough of the right kind of exercise, the lymphatic system doesn't get stimulated. The lymphatic system is the garbage system of the human body. And that's a little bit different for the brain because the cerebral, the brain floats in a liquid called cerebral spinal fluid. And uh, through this mechanism, we're stimulating the flow of cerebral spinal fluid through the brain to flush out these metabolic waste products. Wow. So, so does this replace exercise? Absolutely not. Okay. It will take us centuries to know if it can replace exercise. There are different kinds of exercise. There's aerobic, anaerobic. Uh, there are many different forms of exercise. This is an additional form of exercise that when it, when it comes to certain aspects like uh, recovering from trauma, like chronic pain, like diabetes, uh, this may be more effective, but there are other things exercise does that we don't do. Uh, we, can, we can help with joint issues, but in my opinion, you still have to do the physical exercise if you want to have your joints up, work well. So we, we have some really, really smart people in the room with us and we have some amazing athletes in the room with us susan i you know uh, i'm a champion uh, athlete myself uh, not a world champion nor a national champion but uh, the champion of my house is is what i is what i like to say so um but i i, I actually am pretty active i do a lot of running a lot of hiking i'm trying to run a, a marathon in in each state i'm just finish them not not win them but so you are a champion cyclist. Um, tell me a little bit about your experience uh, with, with, with this product. Um, so I met Carl in 1996 and very quickly um, started using the one CVAC system in the world at that time because there was the only one as a prototype in his garage. And after a couple of months, there was... Um, a significant increase in my riding just on a normal everyday bike ride I was like 10 minutes faster from before so with that I started actually training for some more interesting types of uh, cycling events and long story short went to the world championships in Austria and is a time trial so you don't know who wins until everybody's finished but I crossed the finish line and waiting and have my name called over the speaker and like what and have to go to the um, hospital to pee in a cup and I'm like okay I've come to find out that I was a minute and 19 seconds faster than second place in a 21k time trial um, so they were a little bit suspicious. <laughs> so I they, was, thought they were, thought you were cheating. Uh, yes, yes. Wow. What, like, what is she on? And yeah. I'm on pressure changes in air, sitting in a CVAC pod. Wow, that's uh, amazing testimonial, and I, I'm really excited to, to learn more about exactly how this works, so we can, you know, 
hopefully have more people utilizing the systems and see the benefit of it. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that when we get back from our break. You're listening to Rise Up Radio. You can always follow us on sdriseup.com. We'll be back in a few moments. AM 1170, The Answer, San Diego. Hi, everybody. This is Michael Horn, and along with my co-host, Matt Passants, we host What's Cooking Today. Join us every weekday evening at 8 p.m. right here at AM 1170, The Answer. It's the nation's food, wine, restaurant, travel, and entertainment show. Join us each evening, Monday through Friday at 8 p.m. on AM 1170, The Answer. Of course I want our kids to eat fresh, healthy foods all the time. But we don't have a supermarket nearby, so it's a challenge. I wish we were closer to good health care because of our son's asthma. Frankly, it's scary at times. I'd love for our family to live in a nice house near a great school, but... But none of these resources exist in our neighborhood. Many variables can shape the outcome of children's lives, like the zip code where they grow up. That's because not all communities have the same opportunities, such as quality schools and housing, fresh food, and good health care. There are many ways to improve communities, so everyone has a fair chance, regardless of zip code. You can make a difference. Join with HUD and local leaders to improve your community. Learn how at hud.gov fairhousing. That's hud.gov fairhousing. Fair housing, shared opportunity in every community. A public service message from HUD in partnership with the National Fair Housing Alliance. No one likes traffic. All you want to do is get home and relax. And if you're me, eat a burger. You know what else no one likes? Fake news. It's time for a reality check. And from someone who tells it like it is. And that's me, Andrea Kay. The Andrea Kay Show, Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. on AM 1170, The Answer. Over the past 20 years, the number of people who are malnourished has been reduced by 50%. And more children are in school today than at any time period in history. Global poverty can seem daunting, but success in alleviating suffering is occurring across the globe. To learn how you can volunteer at the Borgen Project and to take action locally to help our global community, visit borgenproject.org. That's www.borgenproject.org. AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to Rise Up Radio. I'm your guest host this week, Derek Abbey. I'm filling in for the amazing James Carmody. We have some wonderful guests in the studios with us today. We've been talking about this CVAC system and the amazing impacts that it can have on, on people, all people, not just world champion athletes, but all people. Um, I think I'm really, uh, want to know, you know, what is it? So if somebody's interested in having this, what, what, what does it look like? What is the experience like? What is it? Okay. What, what, what is it all? This is Alan. I'll, I'll make, take a stab at that. Uh, essentially, uh, think about these metabolic waste products that get produced. Uh, Larry Ellison, the former CEO of Oracle, spent at least $500 million trying to understand what causes the aging process and the age-related diseases. And uh, it was about uh, 15 years ago they came to the conclusion that it is the accumulation of these waste products inside the cells and between the cells that cause the, the aging process and these age-related diseases. So we put people in essentially a vacuum chamber that looks like an egg, okay. and we, uh, we then uh, draw some of the air out of the chamber that essentially is like a vacuum, like going up to the mountains. 
the highest altitude you can measure uh, altitude in uh, pressure and uh, the highest pressure differential we provide is 22,500 feet which is difficult to hike to uh, well, in, unless you're adapted <laughs> right. to high altitude, I'm adapted to 22,000. Like all three of us are adapted. So uh, we we go inside this pressure vessel, and the, and the vacuum pulls these waste products into the lymphatic capillary capillaries, and we then cycle the pressure 200 to 500 times in 20 minutes, mm-hmm. basically simulating the kind of pressure that you would experience very, during very intense exercise. But because you don't have to actually do the physical work, you're not making waste products at an accelerated rate. You're removing the waste products just by relaxing in this chamber. That's why athletes rave about this thing for recovery. Uh, I see. Yes, and recovery is always, and especially for extreme athletes that are constantly right. training, preparing for, for big events, but it can be everyday citizens as well. Right, right. It, especially people who have jobs where they sit in chairs most of the day. Okay. Yeah. They have, and even if they exercise vigorously an hour a day every day, if they have a job where they sit in the chair most of the day, they have an elevated risk of developing diabetes. So I have the, you know, this is a question I know somebody's thinking. Is this the fountain of youth? Have you found the fountain of well, youth? <clears throat> we, we, we kind of don't really like that term because if you actually I, I go back that. to what the fountain <laughs> of youth was, it was a scam, you know, a way to get funding to do that. Now, we, we, we believe we're serious scientists, and we yeah. are serious scientists. Yeah. And we have uh, we built uh, 53 of these systems now. 24 of them are in commercial locations. Uh, some of our uh, flagship uh, systems in uh, New, uh, Newport Beach focus on things like chronic pain and recovery from uh, drug and alcohol uh, issues. And uh, one of our latest uh, customers in New York City, they actually have named their facility Recover for athletes. And it's recovering not only from athletes, but for people who are stressed, people who need to recover from their difficult jobs, people who need to recover from sitting in a chair most of the day. It's definitely not snake oil. Um, you, you've no, we created have, a scientific uh, process that, that has a positive impact on not just athletes, but people across the spectrum. You've outlined many, many uh, ways of this having a positive impact. Who, who are the customers that you see most? Well, uh, I would say people who are experiencing the limit of human performance. And quite often those are elderly people that are tired. Uh, people who, like with fibromyalgia, have a difficulty um, – just with chronic pain and they're tired, they have chronic fatigue, uh, they go to the doctor and the doctor says, well, you know, you need to exercise more. And they look at the doctor and they think, I can't get out of bed. How am I going to go to the gym and exercise? So uh, those are a lot of people. Uh, Elderly people that are tired can use it. Also, uh, we we have a large following of athletes who utilize this, uh, like Susan, uh, for recovery and to improve their performance. The U.S. Army funded a study on elite athletes. It was conducted by the University of Hawaii with this technology. And they measured a greater than a 5% increase in VO2 max. Wow. And so uh, so Carl just sent me a note. He says, what does it look like? Well, I think that the popular press uh, now describes this as the egg. They even call it the egg pod. And if, if you look at it, it does look like an egg because... An egg is the perfect shape for a pressure vessel where the pressure is higher on the outside than it is on the inside. 
So uh, in terms of the people who utilize this, uh, at certainly athletes, uh, one of the most interesting set of athletes uh, at Newport Beach at Ascent, it's one of our customers, they have um, a large following of MMA fighters. Uh, we put a CVAC, one of, one of our investors is uh, Rampage Jackson. When he wanted to become the world champion, he invested in the company. We put one of our very early prototypes in his garage and uh, he then knocked, knocked out Chuck Liddell in less than two minutes of the first round. And so uh, they, and then Tito Ortiz uses it. Uh, and then we, uh, we, we resulted, this resulted in a large following of MMA fighters then that used the CVAC system. And what an interesting thing happened now after about uh, you know, seven or eight years. Seven years, yeah. After seven years, um, none of the MMA fighters that use this before six weeks before a fight have been knocked out. And the incidence of traumatic brain injury is uh, is about thirty percent in MMA fighters. So uh, this may be the solution to concussions in football. Hmm. So we're talking to investors to raise the money to fund the Mayo Clinic to uh, do studies with high school hockey and football players to see if this process can uh, prevent uh, traumatic brain injury in high school students. You, you never know sometimes when you go down these roads where, where it's going to end up. You know? That's right. Um, absolutely phenomenal work. And so I, I might date myself a little bit, but when, when I look at, when I looked at um, kind of the pictures of, of these eggs or these pods, they, they reminded me of Mork and Mindy. Do you remember Mork and Mindy, the show? <laughs> Mork, Mork traveled around in one of these things. So maybe he knew, maybe he knew about CVAC uh, and, and the, you know, the capabilities of it. Well, uh, one of the uh, very famous athletes who discovered this was uh, Novak Djokovic. <laughs> uh, the Wall Street Journal reported he started using this during the 2010 U.S. Open where he upset Roger Federer. And uh, according to John McEnroe, he then went on in 2011 to have the uh, best season in tennis uh, uh, in the men, in men's tennis uh, ever since the open open period. Well, this sounds like it's it has a capability for everybody. I yes, mean, there, there's athletes out there that are doing phenomenal things at at the very top of capability. But then, as you mentioned, there's people that sit at their desk hour on end and. That maybe their lifestyle just doesn't lend itself to getting out there and exercising as much right. as they can, and they're not um, privy to some of the benefits associated with it. So, if they if they found themselves in in one of these, like how long is a session? How long is a commitment? They're they're typically twenty minutes. Um, Medicare and private insurance is reimbursing for the use of this, uh, typically after it's a hip or knee surgery or shoulder surgery, something like that. And that lends to the credibility right there. It's right. an insurance covered uh, product right. and system. So and it's very clear that exercise is beneficial after surgery, but people can't exercise the day of surgery. And then maybe I should ask uh, Carl uh, about his hip surgery. He has uh, he, uh, he had congenital uh, femur defects uh, for, and, uh, and uh, he can talk about his recovery from I, uh, that surgery. I had amazing recovery. I, I'm, I preconditioned myself uh, in the CVAC system. And uh, I went very well through the surgery. I was out of the hospital the next day. Wow. With both hips. So I made a very exciting recovery. Uh, within a matter of weeks, I was walking normally, 
I was walking normally anyway. I was able to climb stairs the first day. So, you know, it's, yeah, it's sort of amazing. I needed no pain medication and so forth. And Susan, then, Susan, uh, Susan has had some injuries, and, and one of them was a broken collarbone that they said she'd never do push-ups again. And within how many weeks, Susan? Oh, I don't know. I don't keep track of that thing. Probably about a, a month I was doing push-ups again, no problem. Yeah, and back in competing after that, too. Several of our systems are in physical therapy clinics, that, and they reimburse med for Medicare. And as, as it turns out, um, uh, after surgery, uh, the physical therapists will do manual manipulation on someone and then put, uh, put the, that person then in the CVAC pod for 15 or 20 minutes. And now after physical therapy, they're in a lot of pain. They put them in the CVAC pod, and the pain goes away. And then after a few weeks, they go back and see the surgeon. The surgeon, wow, you're healing faster than I've ever seen before. And the patient goes, yeah. And the surgeon says, you're healing more completely. And then they go, what does that physical therapist do? And they, they describe it. And then the patient gives the pain pills back to the doctor and says, here, I didn't need those. Well, it would and, be great if we can get a lot of these pain pills and other. Uh, the current belief is that the opioid crisis is, starts in the surgery suite. Mm-hmm from people getting addicted as a result of surgery. This may be a profound solution for that problem. And it, you know, I've seen it myself. We've had MMA fighters that were in a lot of chronic pain, thought this thing was crazy. Okay, they get in the pod and they, in 30 seconds, they look around and go, what the heck is this? Because yeah. their pain goes away. So I know we have a lot of, a lot of listeners that are interested in being customers and, and how, where do they go now to find out about this? Our, uh, research and development manufacturing facility up is, is up in Murrieta. Uh, we have several units, uh, in private homes in Rancho Santa Fe, about uh, a little over half of the systems we've sold are in private homes. People like Axel Rose and people like that, if you, uh, have them in their homes, um, so uh, right now, we, we don't uh, have a commercial. We used to have one here in San Diego in a gym, but the, the, re- the rents got too expensive for the gym. Okay. So uh, we're looking for a place where we can install one here. We're talking to several uh, entrepreneurs. Uh, most of our customers are, uh, are entrepreneurs. They purchase these, install them in a facility, and then people use it uh, in, in addition to um, – individuals our product costs about the same amount as a tesla automobile model s okay and if you want to learn more about uh cvac you can go to cvacsystems.com that's cvacsystems.com and of course we'll have that on our website for you to to review if you're an entrepreneur and you want to invest in uh, one of these systems or if you're interested in, in utilizing the system yourself you're listening to rise up radio we'll be back in a few moments with a new guest Eleven seventy. The answer. This radio station exists to fulfill your insatiable appetite for news and information. If it happens here or around the world and it matters to you, we'll be the first to tell you about it and what it means. But that's not all. Our sister station exists to give your life meaning and purpose through the teaching of the Holy Bible. AM eleven seventy. The answer exists to tell you about the world. K praise twelve ten a.m. exists to change the world together. We can do it. 
Life is full of bittersweet transitions. It's difficult to know how these changes will impact us over time. For some people, difficult transitions like retirement, divorce, or loss of a loved one can hit harder than expected and may contribute to feelings of hopelessness or even thoughts of suicide. The risk of suicide is even higher for men over 50 who served our country. Guys like me. That's why support from friends and family makes such a big difference. Every day, your actions could help save a life. Together, we got this. Learn how you can help save a life at VeteransCrisisLine.net. No matter who we are or where we come from, we all experience difficulties in life. Military veterans know that sometimes it takes strength and determination to make it through. Whether it's physical challenges or struggles on the inside, it takes strength to ask for help when you need it. Learn how veterans like us have reached out for help and hear stories of strength and recovery at maketheconnection.net. The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back to Rise Up Radio. I'm your guest host this week, Derek Abbey. I'm filling in for James Carmody, and you've heard some amazing guests so far from CVAC Systems. You know, they are they are not the fountain of youth. They're not selling snake oil, but they are doing amazing things uh, for athletes and just general citizens that want to live healthier lives. Uh, Rise Up Radio, we highlight people making a difference in the community, and we encourage everybody out there to rise up wherever you can. And we have some more guests on the show, some pretty impressive people from that do a workshop called Eventology, the science behind fundraising. I'm joined by Darren and Michelle. Welcome to the show. It's so great to have you. Please introduce yourselves. Tell me a little bit about yourselves and what you do. Well, Derek, thank you very much for having us out. Uh, my name is Darren Deese. I am a benefit auctioneer. Uh, got involved uh, a long time ago, and I, I get the opportunity to help a lot of nonprofits have fun raising money. Well, that's a, an auctioneer. An auctioneer, yeah. So, you know, I, I don't know if this is, I'm pretty sure this is the first auctioneer that we've had on, on the show show with us. And, and I know what everybody's thinking right oh, now. Oh, okay, you're going to ask me that question, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's radio, right? It so is radio. We, I, have to, I have to do it. So, if you were going to auction off my coat, your coat. My coat. Or, or pick something. These headphones. Let's do your coat. It's a beautiful plaid coat. Wearing probably size 44. Long sleeve coat. Looks good on everybody. And we're going to start debating $1,000. I'm going to bet 1000 Who'd have bet 2000 2000 bet 3 Who'd have bet 4 Now 5 I'm going to bet 5 5 5 Who'd have bet 6 See, Derek's in for 6 in the booth. He's in at 7 Michelle's in at 8000 Who'd have bet 9 9 9 Who'd have bet 9 Who'd have bet 9 She's in at 9 1000 Who'd have 10000 10000 Sold right here. $9,000. We couldn't get that $10,000 mark, but we tried. Well, $9,000 for this coat is it's a actually great, a really yeah, good but deal. But it's a nice coat. Uh, I mean, it, well, thank you. It's I, got that you're wearing that SDSU pin quite proudly I on am. the coat. The pin doesn't come with it. You sh- we should have no, clarified no, we didn't, that. We but, didn't clarify but, that. Hey. We're taking the pin for ten grand, nine grand. Get yeah, we'll take, yeah, we'll take. Yeah, yeah, maybe we will. And we'll take the profit. 
profit for that. If, if well, Derek, thank, thank you for you, letting Jennifer. me. Uh, yeah, thanks for letting us do that. That was fun. <laughs> Amazing. That, that that was a treat. It might not have been for our listeners, but it certainly yeah. was for me. Um, wel- welcome to the show, Derek. It's, it's, it's a pleasure to have you. And you're joined by Michelle. Yes. Hi, I'm welcome. Michelle Gilmore. I'm the Senior Development Director at the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, and I'm a partner of this guy over here. He and I have been put on eventology workshops, which is the science behind fundraising, to help some nonprofits in San Diego and Southern California do what they do better. Awesome. Well, tell me a do little bit Do what they more. do better. I like right? the way that sounds. Yeah. That, that reminds me of an old song, and I'm not even going to try and sing it. <laughs> uh, but, um, other radio shows when I would do things, and, and people would call in and say, hey, can, can you play that, that song? It, 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 you know, it goes... <laughs> and you're like, well, the, no, but it, can you sing it a little bit more? Yeah, and I think now there's a nap for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, the times have changed a little yes, bit. I'm dating true. myself a little bit, but um, so so tell me a little bit more about what what it is that you do together. Eventology, the uh, the science behind fundraising. So I think kind of some of the preface of how Michelle and I got together. Um, as an auctioneer, I get the opportunity to help raise a lot of money, and we show up at six o'clock. The event's over by nine, and they're like, "Wow, that was great!" You know, three hours—you just made a hundred thousand dollars. Mike, it took a lot of work getting ready for this, and now all the work that we have to do after this to make sure that we do this and/or better next year. Mm-hmm. So, I started to learn as working with nonprofits. I start to learn that so many, so many of the smaller nonprofits are doing the event, they're doing the gala, and then on Monday afterwards, they're spending everything catching up from the last three weeks that they didn't do anything, mm-hmm. and they forget some of the follow-up pieces. So I started working with uh, working with the clients. I'm like, you know, what can I do to help you follow up to make sure we're doing our stewardship portion of the you know, one of the most important parts of fundraising is the stewardship channel, and I really wanted to focus on stewardship. And so in having those conversations with the executive directors, development coordinators, and most importantly, the volunteer coordinators, because it's most of these events are run by volunteers, we want to get them involved. Um, and that piece led me to, I had a conversation with someone, I'm like, you know what, I know the perfect person that can answer this question. I called Michelle, I'm like, hey, I'm putting you on speakerphone, I'm here with so-and-so, and we explain, answer this question, because I know nothing about it. And she gave him a phenomenal answer, like, we need, we need you. We need Michelle. You know, we need, we need your help. You know, we're small, we're new, we're trying to do these things. And Michelle just gave them a bunch of just really honest, open answers, and they loved it. It wasn't the answer they wanted, but they appreciated that they knew who to call. And so from that, we just started launching. I kept calling Michelle. She, she, it was her fault because she kept actually answering the phone every time I called. Am I on speakerphone? Am I live? I mean, she didn't know. So that's kind of what brought us together. And it's been a great relationship. I think we've been together now for almost five years. Yeah, we've been having a lot of fun. I've also had him be our auctioneer and host at our events that I've had in the past uh, with another organization. And he always does a great job. So I, I'm a good uh, you know, reference, I guess you could say, for his uh, auctioneer services. So that's, it's a win-win. So did you, um, did you know each other before you started working with each other? Or? No, so. actually, I hired him for our event. That's the first time we met, and we started working together on our event. Okay. And we you know, started kind of going through the process of getting fundraising uh, items and live auction items, and uh, we had a good time working and kind of laughing our way through it because, you know, sometimes fundraisers need a little extra laugh. Um, and so it was just, you know, from there we built a strategy around helping provide tips and new ideas that are out there for fundraisers to, to do what they're doing in their events a little bit better. 
So you have uh, an enormous amount of energy. I think you probably have to, given given the the profession <laughs> and stuff. But I mean, it's just the energy you you provide. I can imagine that the customers that you work with are very very happy customers. And it, you know, it's not unusual. We've had a lot of nonprofits on our show. Um, and you know the people that are here are the ones that are doing it, but it's always those early phases of nonprofits when you know a lot of people find themselves thinking, well, maybe I'll start a nonprofit, and it's right. kind of this yeah. flippant piece, and then they get into it and they're like, ah, shucks, wow. this is pretty uh, more than more than what I was expecting. You know, it's a business, um, and so you know what what are some of the things that you would say to somebody like that, or what would you recommend? A lot of different, a lot of directions to go on uh, on what to recommend and where to start because it can go so deep. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the biggest the biggest thing a nonprofit can do if they're going to do a gala, it can be a gala, it can be a fun run, it can be lunch and learn. They really need to get their message out, and their message shouldn't necessarily be their mission. So Michelle and I, when we talk about eventology, the science behind fundraising, is we try to help people understand the way, oftentimes, the way donors think. We want, um, you know, not make it necessarily about the, you know, the nonprofit itself. Most nonprofits want to get up, tell a story, talk about how great they are and everybody they've helped, which is, is so true. And that has to happen. You have to have that success. But when you're going forward and asking for money, you need to think about the donor and what they're going to do to give. I'm asking you, I just asked you for $9,000 for a sport coat. What can I do with that $9,000? How can your donation of $9,000 impact what the, you know, the nonprofit that we're working for. If it's kids, you know, how many kids is that going to affect? Let's tell that part of the story. Let's make your $9,000 be going forward, not what we've already done. How are we going to use it on Monday morning? We're going to go, I did a, an event recently for a school and they were buying technology. They're buying new equipment. And the whole thing was the events on Saturday night on Monday morning, anybody who wants to come in, have coffee and donuts, we're going to call Apple. We're going to place our order for all this new technology. We raised almost $100,000 just to buy new iPads, computers for teachers, and you know, just Apple technology to make them an Apple compliant. It's not Apple compliant. I forget the technology, but there's a level of training within the schools that Apple certifies schools. And that's what they raise money for. Yeah. But they were telling everybody that night, your donations tonight are going to be spent on Monday morning and we're buying new technology for your students because most of the people attending that event were parents and family. So they were able to donate money to their cause. And that's the measurable that people want to know, right? right? When, when you are um, donating, if you are that donor, you know, what's, what, what's the impact right. that, that, I, that it's happening? And, and, I, and I like the way you did it because I, I think sometimes, you know, oh, I, maybe, maybe I gave and Maybe it had an impact, you know, a year or a month from now or something like that. But you're saying, hey, th- th- this is it. This is what's going to happen. It's going to happen right now or at this time. Right. Um, you can come by and see it if you want. So what, who are some of the people that are, or what are your, your, your primary um, constituents or clients or whatever that, or those that attend your uh, Sure, that's a good question. We have uh, the people who've attended our workshops range from every size of nonprofit. So small mom and pop shop with, you know, two or three maybe volunteers who are running kind of an office and a board of seven or eight people. Um, and they might have a budget of 300,000, you know, a year, but all the way up to somebody who might have a full board of 18, 19 and have a staff, full staff and over a million dollars in there. Michelle, do you remember uh, a couple, about a month and a half ago, one of our eventology classes, we had a a gal with a brand new startup, small nonprofit. Her biggest event was like $600. That was her big fundraiser. And we gave her some tips. She was actually going down to the uh, Petco park 
Yes. And she had a very small event. We kind of gave her some tips to think about things differently. And she did a small, very small fundraiser, almost $4,000, with less than 50 people there, just using tips that she learned out of eventology. And that was her biggest fundraiser to date. So it's not always about that $100,000 gala. There are so many nonprofits that a huge win for them is 10, 15, some of even $5,000. So it starts really low and goes all the way up. That's a 700% increase. So, yeah. you know, that's, that's pretty good. It is all relative. It definitely is. This is exciting stuff. I'm joined by Darren and Michelle. We're going to talk some more about the work that they're doing and the impact that they are having when we get back to Rise Up Radio. Thanks for listening. AM 1170, The Answer. Del Wamsley here. The only person who can change your life is you, but you need to know how. Listen to my show, The Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. The Del Wamsley Radio Show, weekdays at 7 p.m. and weekends at 8 p.m., right here on AM 1170, The Answer. No matter who we are or where we come from, we all experience difficulties in life. Military veterans know that sometimes it takes strength and determination to make it through. Whether it's obvious physical challenges or struggles on the inside, it takes strength to ask for help when you need it. I knew that I had to get support, not just for me, but for the sake of my wife and kids. Talking about it has helped me feel more like myself again. Honestly, it was hard to open up at first but it's changed my life for the better. Learn how veterans like us have reached out for help and hear stories of strength and recovery at maketheconnection.net. We love Alexa, and we love to let her find your favorite radio station. This one, of course. We love it, too, when she finds us. But she could find us easier if we taught her a simple skill. To get started, simply say, Alexa, enable the answer, San Diego skill. After she confirms, you can then say, Alexa, play the answer, San Diego. And Alexa will learn how to find us. You can listen to us through your Amazon Echo, Echo Show, Echo Dot, and Amazon Tap devices. Alexa, what is your favorite radio station? That's easy. AM 1170, the answer. There's always a moment of truth where it's either put up or shut up. We were yelling our hearts out. Even in our weakness, even in our pain, we continued to push. I don't know where the pain went to, but all I know is that I had what it took. I am a United States Marine. PFC Daryl Willis serves his country as a Marine. Will you? Visit Marines.com or call 1-800-MARINES. AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to Rise Up Radio. I'm Derek Abbey, your guest host this week, and I'm joined by Darren and Michelle from their Eventology Workshop. You know, we've been talking about um, your story uh, as far as how you got together and the amazing things that you've done and and you know that's an important piece uh, for not for nonprofits. It's the story piece. Yeah, and, the story is everything. Yeah, it, it, the uh, we we were talking about the story, and I think the maybe for for your listeners and uh, anyone who has an opportunity to listen, when we get into the story uh, for your nonprofit, is maybe so many I think so many nonprofits get wrapped up in their mission statement, and they want to talk about their mission statement. This is what we do. This is what we do. This is what we do. That's you don't want people to listen to what you're saying, what your mission statement is. You want them to feel it. Yeah. 
you really need to kind of make that a big piece of it. You want them to fill your mission statement, not just hear it on words or see it on a poster or put it up on your website. You want them to feel it. And when you're telling your story, if you go back to Disney and Pixar, a great story, you know, they kind of go up, they bring you up, they make you laugh, they make you smile, then they make you cry. Then they make you smile, then somebody dies and they make you cry. They take you up and down, up and down. You get into Steve Jobs when he introduced the iPad. You know, he made you feel great. I have this great thing. We're going to put 1,200 songs in your pocket. Yeah, but, you know, it's it's big. It's clunky. It's hard to get to. He just kind of talked about the evolution of the iPod versus the cassette tape that we used to have. He takes you up, brings you down, takes you up, brings you down, gives you a big payoff. And here it is. Here's the iPad. 2,000 songs. It's all in your pocket, and you're on your way. Telling that story is huge for nonprofits in focusing on uh, the three big things is uh, be clever and you know, have a fun story to tell, be vulnerable. And the most important part of it is be honest. Be really direct. It's okay. I mean, when you, you're pulling that real emotion in, it's not a sales pitch. You don't want your story to be a sales pitch. Right. It's an emotional connection, right? And that's what stories are. I can make an emotional connection to you, your organization, what Absolutely. you do, and then I want to be a part of it. Right. Absolutely. And in, in events, you only have one opportunity to do that. You know, a lot of us, we sit down around the table and when we're planning an event and we're talking about all right, the impact video. What are we going to do? What are we going to say? Who's our, who's who's our be, guest speaker? Right. Who's going to speak for 45 speaker? minutes and tell us all about Or stuff. yeah, they have this great idea to put together a 30-minute impact video. And Darren and I always laugh and say, okay, yeah, let's bring it down to five minutes. That's how or much three, time you or have. Or three. Yeah. <laughs> he battles for three and I like five. However, in, the, in today's world with social media and the instant gratification that people are getting in technology, you do not have, you don't have 30 minutes for these people. They're ready to hear it, you make them feel it, and then you ask them to raise their paddle and say, yeah, how much do you want to do to impact these people? And I'm not saying to take away from the time that you create and manipulate a beautiful, genuine, real story, but to Darren's point, be vulnerable. Put someone out there who is really speaking about the impact that they have had and then what their money can do. There's Honest no, and genuine. It's, yeah, it's, there's no nothing better. And and you know, they say it's like we have an eight-second attention span, so you better get that hook in quick. Yeah, so you, have, you have to set so the hook. That, yeah. that exact eight seconds, that comes up. There's a great video for any of your listeners that want to get into it. It's put out by the, one of the guys that works with uh, Pixar Studios. It's Matthew Lunn. It's a 30-minute video on how to write a story. He talks about the whole up-down piece. That's not me bringing that up. That's mm -hmm. his story. He talks about that and gives everybody all the bullet points for whether it's your nonprofit, it's your company, it's your business, having that story and how to tell it. It's a 30-minute video, and it's well worth it. It's one of the great greatest webcasts I've heard um, on fundraising. So those that are getting ready for an event, they're, yes. doing, they're doing their pre-task work and, and for that. What, what, what's the most important thing, or what should they be thinking about? We hit the story, so I don't want to go into that, yeah. <laughs> but uh, who you're going to invite. Yeah. And uh, they're, they're a big thing. You know, they want 300 people to show up at their event because ticket prices are $100 a piece, and they're doing the math. And think That's what we need to make. We're great. Yeah. But if you invite 300 people, I try to bring people back. 300 couples is 150 wallets or purses. So now you only have 150 donors. Out of that 150 donors, what story are you going to tell? How are you going to hook them in in eight seconds and get those 150 people to donate money? On average, most nonprofits, usually around 50 to 60%, if you're doing everything right, are going to donate money. If I invite you, Derek, and you say, yeah, my wife and I are going to come, and my daughter's just home from college, I'm going to bring them, I'm going to fill up my table with my family and friends. If they're not coming to write a check, don't invite them. 
It's a tough call because you yeah. want to take them out. It's Saturday night, but they're really not doing the nonprofit any any justice because they're just coming to eat the chicken dinner. Mm. Nobody really needs another chicken dinner, and you're costing that nonprofit a lot of money to feed somebody who's not going to raise their paddle that night. Yeah, they're not making the the money off the hundred and fifty dollar uh, check for the chicken dinner. They're making no, they're the really money off not. the donations. Yeah, right? and most most I mean that's an expensive piece of the events to ho- to host it to get the room and get everything. That's a, it's a true cost. Mm-hmm. But again, if you are the steward, if you're the board of directors, I, when we work with board of directors, I try to get them out as, you know, stop inviting your family and friends, invite people that will next year potentially bring a new guest and buy their own ticket. Mm-hmm. If you've bought the same couple, you brought them to the event for five years and they're not buying their own tickets yet, there's a problem. They're probably not that interested. They're just coming because you wanted them to. Yeah. Well, and, and, and good time. with today's technologies that surround events, you can extract a lot of information after an event. And so there's a lot of time right between the time that you end your event and you start planning the next one, you're looking to see who spent money in the room, where were they, where were they sitting, how close were they to the auctioneer, where were they compared to some of the live items, did they spend <clears throat> X amount per, you know, at, at each table. So you can really dive deep in some of the data and um, affect And you your- have to be careful how you present that data to the board <laughs> when you tell the, the board president that <laughs> the nine people you brought didn't spend any money and nor did mm-hmm. you yeah. that night. You know, you have to be very careful. You can use the data, but you can get in trouble with it as well. Yeah, maybe not point that out, but that'll right. allow them to yeah. see. But yes. everybody else made <laughs> this provide- money. Yeah. He asked, how much yes. did I do? Yeah, Let's provide the matrix just for yeah. all of us to look at together, shall Let's we? Let's scratch out the names. <laughs> so you've provided some amazing tidbits that I, I know some of our listeners, because a lot of them are connected to the nonprofit industry that are right. thinking about, um, how do I get into this workshop? Uh, so what do they need to do or how, how do they get in? Yeah, I think the best thing for our workshop is going to be our Facebook page. It's okay. Eventology on Facebook. That's the quickest way to find us. Um, we've had, uh, I think we've done five or six in the last few months. Our next one's in Palm Desert. Um, we'll probably schedule another one downtown San Diego, maybe at University Club, or uh, we recently did one at the Community Foundation, San Diego Community Foundation. That was our last one. So we'll we'll put up to the upcoming classes. Um, and then the biggest part of that, if any nonprofit, you know, just has questions, we're we're really happy just to open and share. Oh, nice. uh, it's you know, you don't have to come to the workshop, you know, to get some get your questions answered, have some thoughts, have some. We're we're here to help. That's what we do. That's fantastic. And so. Michelle, you you're involved with cystic fibrosis. Um, yes, you, indeed. You, what do you do? What do you have on 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 the schedule, or what yes. events do you have coming up? Anything? Else? Absolutely. In fact, we have uh, some volunteer opportunities coming up, and I do want to mention that the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation here in San Diego is dedicated to finding a cure for cystic fibrosis and helping people who are living with cystic fibrosis live fuller lives. Um, I'm really excited to be a part of this foundation. They are a phenomenal. A nationwide organization. We have about 30,000 people living with cystic fibrosis currently. And what it is, is a disease that creates a lining in your lungs of mucus that really makes it hard to live with. Most of the people, about half of the people today don't live past um, age 30. And we have now with research really developed a wonderful um, rec- track record. And we have people living in, in their 40s and beyond. So we're thrilled with the progress we've made. In local uh, San Diego, in terms of events, we have a surf event coming up on September 9th, which is a lot of fun. We have Chef Throwdown at the Hotel Dell on September 28th, and then a cycling event in October and a 
uh, Breath of Life Gala on November third. Michelle, so, I have a question for I'm you. I'm, ju- you. I'm jumping in here on your on Do your it. on your minute. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, volunteers and for for nonprofits, they can't operate without volunteers. Absolutely, we, we know that, and that's a big part of eventology. That's what we talk about. How? What do you do differently? How can you give uh, some of their listeners advice on how to treat and steward the volunteer? We always talk about the donor, but yeah. we can't do what we do without volunteers. It's so true. I mean, I would think that one of the things that as you're going into your event is to focus on your volunteers just as you would your donors. You want to treat them well. I care. I call it the care and feeding of volunteers. You know, feed them well at your events. Have a place. For you're them not supposed to put, to put them in stuff. the back room and give them cold pizza. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big ten no. Yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but also, you know, be looking and ask ask for help. People really want to help. And if you're out in the community and you're at a social event and you find someone who has a lot of energy and they might have some time on their hands, ask them to get in the fold. You can never have too many volunteers. I'm big on that. I'm big on getting as as many of a recruit uh, team as you can around your events. One of the most impressive things, uh, there's several awesome things that Michelle does. Um, but one of the uh, things that I've taken away and we've used and we talk about is you actually host a separate event for volunteers. Oh. Um, it's either, I think sometimes you've done it before the event, other times you do it after the event. It's just a, it's a thank you. And you just bring them all out and have a party just for them. Absolutely. We usually find a restaurant or a sponsor close by who will underwrite it for us. And we invite the volunteers as a post event. Thank you. Happy hour or sometimes a breakfast. It really makes them feel special and you can't take any, you know, you can take every opportunity to do that because it pays off in the long run. And many volunteers donate many, many, many. And you know you're not you're not paying them; they're volunteers. Well, but that affirmation, yeah, you is are paying huge. them time, yeah. treasures, and talent, right? And they have the time; they have the time and the talent. So that is a cost. Yeah, the, and an amazing donation and kind as as you mentioned. I mean, many, many, many nonprofits yeah. would not be able to sustain themselves without the the gift yeah. of volunteers. And, and it brings energy. It brings excitement. Oh, yeah. They're they're excited. They're showing up. wearing their blue t shirt that day. They're fired up, ready to go. Well, speaking of energy, you both have an amazing energy. We were talking about it in the break. It just makes <laughs> our job as hosts so much easier um, when the conversation is just off the charts. And you both are off the charts. I just want to go your workshop just to hang around with you because there's so much energy there and i know you're having an amazing impact thank you so much so we know about the facebook page yes where would people find out more about cystic fibrosis foundation that's a a tough one to say why am i on the radio foundation uh we have a website cff.org easy to find and we have everything listed there there's a lot of supports available at the local care center for uh, those who are living with cystic fibrosis as well Darren and Michelle, thank you so much for for joining us today. And thank you so much for sharing your story and the amazing work that you're doing. Thank you for selling my coat for for $9,000. I'm going to be going after Jennifer for that that check once we're done (laughs) done with the show. Cystic fibrosis, Jen? Because you were the high bidder. You're responsible. You are listening to Rise Up Radio, where we, we challenge you to rise up in your community, have an impact where you can have an impact, serve where you can serve. Thank you for joining us this week. We look forward to having you back next week. You can always join us on our website at sdriseup.com where you can hear these podcasts. You can find out more information. We'll have the links available uh, for you to find these information and to learn more about the events on the calendar. And we want to challenge you like every other week to rise up. Thank you for listening.